Awesome. Well, good morning, local church Dawson. I'm so excited to be with y'all again this morning. Um, I love when I get to be up here. Um, I'm normally um, down about, you know, a few miles down 400 over at the Forsyth campus. If you don't know me already, my name is Raymond Frank, and I'm one of the student directors over there. But I love, love, love when I get to be here with y'all. And I love Forsyth, and I love the people that I work with. And one thing that I want you to know about the Forsyth staff, I hope they're not watching right now because I'll get a little mushy, but I truly love the people that I work with. I love hanging them without, with them outside of work. Um, every single day, we do this thing called Lunch Bunch. Well, we'll go out into the lobby, we'll set up tables, and we'll all eat lunch together every day. And... I love that. Like, we won't talk about work or anything. Lunch Bunch has become one of my favorite things about my job. I'm just talking and getting to know the people that I work with. And the thing is that I've realized, kind of going forward, is my, where I fit on staff and, and what our staff look like and the makeup of our staff. I've, I've realized, I realized this sitting at lunch the other day, when I was the only guy at the table, um... And now realizing that I'm like the only guy that's in the building a consistent amount during the week. In fact, you know, for the first like year and some change of my job, I actually shared an office with just wives and mothers. And as a single uh, 24-year-old male, you learn a whole lot sharing an office with wives and mothers. I feel like I'm prepared to be a better husband, a better father, things you should and shouldn't say during labor, things that about kids, all, all sorts. I learned so much about kids and it's been so insightful. Like they tell me I need to start a podcast so I can just get all what I've learned out to the world um, of a single guy sharing an office with wives and mothers. And it's a lot of fun, but I do learn a lot about their kids. And there's a lot of like staff kids. A lot of people on our staff have kids all the way from toddlers all the way to high school. And so it's been fun. I've kind of taken it upon myself to build relationships with and good rapport with a lot of the staff kids. Um, and so one of my coworkers, Catherine, she has a son in elementary school. His name's Max. Me and Max are buds. Max has seen me at like camps and stuff before. And so he thinks my job during the week is I just do fun stuff all day. Nothing like answering emails or anything. I just, she, he asked what I do during the day and he's like, I bet he just has fun. And so me and Max are buddies. We talk about the Braves all the time. He loves Spencer Strider and the Braves. I've got him, um, we've got matching Spencer Strider chains. It's been a lot of fun. Um, my coworker, Brooke, has a son in middle school. His name's Mason. Uh, Mason and I talk about everything from movies. He loves Marvel. We talk about video games and sneakers. He comments on my shoes all the time. We love Mason. He's awesome. Uh, it's kind of funny uh, that he looks exactly like me when I was in middle school, which is kind of weird and bizarre. If I showed you a picture, it'd kind of be uncanny. Me and Brooke talk about it all the time. And then high school-wise, Chris, our pastor, has a son named Daniel who I play golf with sometimes. Um, I should stop because he cheats the whole time. In fact, the other time I was playing with him, uh, he was hitting a shot out of a bunker. His buddy laid down in the bunker, and when Daniel made contact with the sand, he threw the ball out. And of course, I didn't see it, and so I just go, oh man, that was a nice chip, dude. And just not knowing that he cheated the whole day, and I had no idea. But Daniel and I are buds. We talk about sports all the time. He'll help me out in the sound booth on Sunday mornings. Um, I lead a Bible study uh, with 
one of our pastor's kids, his name's Cannon, he and his friends, we go to Waffle House on Tuesday mornings now, and that's been a lot of fun, but I've built kind of like this army of staff children, which is a lot of fun, we'll, it'll be good, but the one area, like I've got it covered, from elementary school to high school, we've got it covered, the one area that I really struggle in is when it comes to babies, like you, I go down that preschool hallway on occasion and my friend Marina's back there and I just kind of want to get out of there as quickly as I can. With the babies, the zero to twos, you hand me a baby, I have no idea what to do with it. I have, you hand me your baby, I will panic. Uh, filled with anxiety almost immediately. And one thing that's helping me with that, my coworker, Jenna, she has a son named Wesley, who's a little over a year old. Um, We're buds. He invited me to his first birthday party, of course, personally, um, direct invitation from him himself. But me and Wesley are buds. I, I joke around all the time. I'm like, I think I tell Jenna, I'm like, Wesley might be the only baby that I like. I'm joking, of course, but it's funny because he doesn't cry when he's around me. He'll get handed to me, and he smiles and is excited. Um, He'll look at me in his little stroller from across the lobby and just smile at me, and I'm like, Wesley, we are buds. This is awesome, and it's helping me get better with babies, I think, a little bit, but the part of babies that make me nervous is because when it comes to babies, they are completely dependent on others for everything. And so when you hand me one, I think I panic of like, I don't have the ability to give you what you need. And that scares me sometimes. But it's that idea that young children especially are dependent on others for everything. You watch a baby for like five minutes, you'll be like, I don't understand how you're even functioning right now by yourself. Like it's crazy. And so the funny thing is we as Christians use family analogies a lot. We use it to describe God as our father. We are children of God. And these illustrations are really nice because it helps paint a picture of not only who God is, but who we are in our relationship with our heavenly father. And these analogies on family are great because they're rooted in scripture. But I think a distinction has to be made that human families and God's families or God's family is different. There's a fundamental difference. You see, as children grow up, maturity is characterized by a growing level of independence from their parents. If you have young children as babies, they are completely dependent on you for everything. And as they grow, they grow more and more independent. But you see, in God's family, it works a little differently. In fact, Jesus kind of paints this picture for us He talks about in Matthew 18, you know, he uses this illustration with disciples. His disciples ask him, hey, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus answers with this illustration. He's like, he has a child come to him and he placed the child among him. And he says in Matthew 18, he says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven that Jesus calls us to be like children in some ways. And one quality that children have is that they're dependent on others for their well-being. And in the same way as God's children, we should share that quality of depending on a a loving heavenly father for everything that we need. You see, in God's family, it works differently, whereas in human families, independence grows with age 
Spiritual maturity is characterized by a growing level of dependence on God. As we grow spiritually, we are called to be more and more dependent on God. And that dependence is what I want us to talk about today. What does dependence on God look like for you and I in our lives? And so a writer I love to read, his name's John Bloom, he, he puts it this way, and I absolutely love this. He says, one of the most merciful gifts that God can give us is a deep, keen awareness of our dependence on him for everything. See, where the world that we live in tells us we need to be extremely independent people, living the Christian life relies on our full dependence on God through Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit. So Jesus paints this this amazing, clear picture of it in John chapter 15, which is where we're gonna hang out today. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 15. If you have your Bible app, while you're scrolling, while you're flipping pages, it'll be up on the screen. But a little context to where we're entering the story right here. You see, Jesus is having this dialogue with his disciples during the Last Supper. So in this passage, he's... He's standing in the upper room at this time. His, his crucifixion is getting closer and closer. A few chapters later, it's coming. And the nature of him and his disciples, their relationship is about to change in a pretty big way. That he's speaking to his disciples as they're about to leave and he's about to be separated from them. Their relationship is changing from one where he is physically around them all the time to one that is spiritual in nature. That Jesus here outlines the nature of their relationship going forward. He says this, starting in verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You will already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You see, he lays out the relationship right here, one between him, the vine, his disciples, us, the branches. And he uses this example and this illustration, and it's one that's extremely clear to them. It's one that they see pretty often throughout their lives. You see, in ancient Israel, there are grapevines everywhere. There's grapevines everywhere. It's a symbol that they see a whole lot In fact, outside of the front of the temple, there's a golden vine that's supposed to symbolize and communicate this idea that Israel is God's vine. But as he does, Jesus flips this idea on his head and he says, no, he says, he calls himself the true vine. He calls himself the true vine. He tells the disciples, you are the branches and that they need to be rooted to, be connected to him. If we want to bear fruit, for God, if they wanted to bear fruit for God, he tells them, you must be rooted in me. You know, it's one of the many pictures we get of the relationship between us and God. And the thing is, the very nature of the vine in the branch is characterized by complete dependence. The branch is completely dependent on the vine for everything. That the whole idea emphasizes this immense need for connection. The branch must be connected to the vine. There's complete dependence 
The branch needs the vine more than the sheep needs the shepherd. The branch needs the vine more than the, fa- the son needs on depends on their father. See, right off the bat, our dependence means we are connected to God. Dependence means we are connected to God. To kind of show this a little more, I brought this branch. Um, I got it from outside. Um, I kind of just pulled in the parking lot and went out in the little woods and I just saw a tree and I tried to pull it off, but it was kind of still alive. And so I had to just cut it off. Um, I looked really silly out there. Um, but I have this branch. And my question for you all this morning is that if all of us in this room worked together, if we all tried our hardest, all of us in this room, could we make this branch produce fruit? No. I mean, maybe if we like, could like, tape an apple onto this or something, but I don't know if that would hold it. Like I cut this off this morning, it's already kind of withering, and earlier leaves were falling all over the stage at 9.30. This branch has no ability to produce fruit when disconnected to the vine, when disconnected to its source of life. And this branch, it, it can be a lot like us in the way we live our lives. And we, I see this all the time. Sometimes we work as hard as we possibly can. We do all the right things. We say all the right things. No matter what we do, you know, maybe we're the most involved in church that we can possibly be. But there's nothing that we can do ourselves to produce fruit in our lives without connection to the vine. You know, I was out in the lobby at, after the 9.30 service and a gentleman comes up and talks to me and discussed this idea further and he gave me such a great point. He's like, use it all you want, so I'm gonna use it now. I wanna just give him credit. He's talking to me, he says, it's the same way you think about flowers. How many of y'all love to keep flowers around the house? A whole lot of, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is about flowers, you get these flowers, you cut them, you cut the ends off and you put them in water you mix with this plant food or this chemical. And as we've cut those flowers off from this source of life, it's always going to end up the same way. Those flowers are going to eventually wither and die. We can do all we can as people. We can put them in water. We can give them food. And it may look good on the outside for a while, but it leads to the same place as this branch withers and dies that we were created to be connected to a source of life. And in order to produce fruit, we need to be connected to the vine. In fact, Jesus promises us and guarantees us of this fact. In verse four, he says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Right here, Jesus guarantees us two things. The first thing is that he guarantees us that we're not gonna produce fruit when we're separated from him. But the amazing thing is he guarantees, he's like, but you will produce fruit if you're connected in me. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. That dependence is characterized by the fact we are connected to God. Dependence means we are connected to God. And let me tell you guys, the most important thing that you and I can do is invest in our own personal relationships 
with our heavenly father. Everything we do flows from that relationship. He is a source of life that we need to be connected to. And that connection maybe starts out strong and it wavers throughout life. But the thing is, I tell my students this all the time in middle school and high school is that you think of your relationship with God as the same way as you think of your relationship with your best friend. Y'all were not best friends instantaneously. But time after time, meeting after meeting, hanging out after hanging out, the more time you spent together, the closer and deeper your bond got. And our relationship with God is the same way. It requires daily investment. That dependence starts with our connection to God. Dependence starts with connection. Jesus continues in verse five. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because, don't miss this, it says, you can do nothing without me. And I love how specific Jesus is here. He doesn't say, hey, you can do most things without me. You'll be all right. You can do it yourself. He doesn't say, hey, some things you can do without me, some things you can't. He says, no. He says, you can do nothing without me. He makes it so abundantly clear to the disciples and to us. You see, dependence means we're connected to God, but dependence means we rely on God. And I don't know, when I, when I read that, and I see, hey, we need to rely on God, but we can do nothing without him. When I read that, that's kind of hard for me to come to terms with. And maybe that's because I feel, think of myself as a pretty independent person. And if you're like me and you struggle with that, the idea is, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really like to rely on other people. We like to do things on our own, like to do things ourselves. And the way I can think of this the most for me is back in college. And... I think about going through like a class, semester's going great, you have good grades, things are good, and you're in class one day, you're in a lecture one day, and your professor announces you're going to do a group project. (laughs) And the thing is, every time that would happen to me, I would absolutely dread group projects. Not because, you know, my class is full of strangers or people who aren't my friends necessarily or that I'm introverted. The thing was, I did not like group projects because that meant I was about to have to rely on and trust in other people to do, like, work that would affect my grades. And no one likes doing that. Of course, you know, in a group project, you've got kind of the dynamics. You've got maybe the person who wants to take charge, who creates the group message, all those things, um, sends the communication, all that thing. Maybe you've got stuff who really are people who are going to work hard and, and do their part. But, I mean, I think every group project, either if it's at school or at work, you've had that person who maybe slaps their name at the top at the end, you know, didn't really do anything, um, comes into the class that day, doesn't know we had a presentation or didn't do their slides on the PowerPoint. I've had a couple of those, but you have those people that you have to trust to get a good grade, that you have to put it all on other people, most of it on other people. And I'd much rather work by myself in, in autonomy with stuff like that because I know my grade is on me. I can trust myself to get the work done, and if it doesn't, it's, it's my fault. I don't have to put it in someone else's hands. I don't have to trust someone to do their part. And if you're like me, you and I, we desire autonomy. In a lot of ways, we desire autonomy. Life is like that. We want to be self-sufficient people. 
We don't want to have to rely on others for things. We want to make sure we have ours, that we have enough to not have to rely or depend on anyone else. But the thing is, y'all, our need and desire for autonomy can directly interfere with our dependence on God. And don't get me wrong, we get this right some of the time. We depend on God some of the time. Specifically, what we do is we like to depend on God when life gets really hard. If you're like me and and life kind of maybe hits you with something pretty hard, those are the times when you find yourself leaning into God most. You find the times that you pray most, that you spend the most time with God in those moments. You see, we're really good at spending time and depending on God when things get really hard. But a lot of times it's only after we've done all we can do. We've explored all the options. We've exhausted all our resources. Now that I can't do anything else, okay, now I'm ready to depend on God. And the thing is, it's not meant to be like that. Like we talked about that connection, that dependence, it's a daily thing. A writer named Boyd Bailey says in in this book about total dependence on God, he says this, and I love this, he says, you see where autonomy thinks it sustains itself, dependency knows it is sustained by God. That you and I were created to be connected to a source of life, that God doesn't want to want us to just rely on him when it's now convenient for us to do so. He wants us to depend on him for everything. You see, Jesus continues. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And what I love about this passage is the repeated use of the word remain. He says, he says, remain in me and I in you. This dependence that he's seeing, this dependence that he's talking about, this relationship that he's talking about is a choice on our part. That we have to choose to remain in him, choose to depend on him. And I love that the other translations use the word abide. And when you abide in something, you are absolutely remaining in something that is a deep, continuous connection when you abide in something. And this relationship, this connection doesn't happen just one time. It doesn't happen just one time. You depend on God once, you're connected to God one time, and you're good. It's all good. No, it's a daily thing. It's something we must do daily. That is a choice that we must make every single day to depend on God. Back in April, um, so the thing about me is I live currently with one of my best friends. Um, His name's Tucker. We've known each other since middle school. And Tucker and I uh, are really silly a lot of the time. I think uh, we, he talks about all the time how our life could be a sitcom when we live together. Um, and it'd be really funny. But we have a lot of silly ideas a lot of time. And so back in April, I had a silly idea. I'm owning that. This was my idea. And back in April, I come to him and I'm like, Tucker, 
It started out as a fun what-if situation. And I go, Tucker, what if you and I did a half Ironman? And if you don't know what a half Ironman is, it is a 1.2-mile swim. Immediately following is a 56-mile bike ride. And then after you've done it in the water and on the bike, you then proceed to run a half marathon. And if you ask me how much swimming, riding, and running that him and I have done when I brought this idea to him, it's zero. It's a big fat goose egg. None of that. Most I've ever ran at one time is a 10K. And it's not the same at all. And I come to him with this idea, and it starts out as this funny what if. He's like, oh, dude, that'd be kind of awesome. But that sounds terrible. And... I'm talking to him about it, and we both go away from that conversation, and for some reason, in both our minds, it, it's, it's lingering in there, longer than it should, and sure enough, I, I, I jokingly talk to my dad about it, and he talks to his dad, and I expect my dad to laugh at me and be like, yes, yeah, no way you're doing that, but instead, he goes, I think you could, and I think you should, and I'm like, dad... <laughs> You're supposed to be the voice of reason right now. You're supposed to deter me from this, please. And the funny enough is Tucker's dad said the same thing to him. So we reconvened and we're like, dude, I think we could do this. And I think we should do this. And so we did it. We signed up. The race is next month in October. Uh, it is uh, October 21st in Wilmington, North Carolina. If you want to come support me, I will totally support that decision. I need all the help I can get. And so we were like, okay. We're doing this. We started training in April. We've been, we've been doing it for a little while now. And let me tell you, at the beginning, we're extremely excited, extremely enthusiastic. We're looking at bikes, looking at tri-suits. If you ever try one of those on, it's a really humbling experience. <laughs> we're doing all these things, looking at like things we need to be eating right, our workout plan, all those things, our schedule. And let me tell you, that first week, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm hitting the gym, hitting the pool twice a week, hitting the bike twice a week, and running twice a week. And let me tell you, that excitement and that enthusiasm lasted maybe three weeks. <laughs> and there came a point where we both realized our excitement and our enthusiasm at the beginning is not enough to sustain us till race day. It's not enough to get us through that finish, finish line. Sooner or later, it comes down to just plain endurance and just sticking it out. And our dependence on God, a lot of the time, is the same exact way. You see, dependence means we're connected to God. Dependence means we rely on God, but dependence also means that we stay by God. You know, maybe we began this connection, we began this relationship, we began this depending on God thing with just some excitement and some enthusiasm. We walk into it just excited to put our needs on God, to depend on him, to connect with him. And we do that and it sustains us for a time. We connect with God for a time. But you know what? Then life happens. You see up and downs, you know, we get busy, other opportunities come we feel like we're in a good place and at a point where we can do everything ourselves and work under our own power and rely on ourselves. And for a time, maybe that feels right and that works for us, but just like a branch that's fallen from the vine, you lose your source of life. You see, y'all, I cut this off a few hours ago and it is withering and dying as we're talking right now. 
So the thing is, Jesus says that we need to remain in him. Remain in him. We are to remain connected to the source of life or else we stop producing fruit in our lives. That we are dependent on him. You and I were created to be powered by an outside source and that source is Jesus. That it means that we are connected to him. It means we rely on him and it means we stay by him. Not when it's just convenient for us. Not when we've exhausted every avenue of opportunity, but even in the mundane, even in the day-to-day things, we are to depend on God. You see, for the disciples here, everything in their world is changing and they have no idea. Maybe they're expecting a little bit as Jesus is talking to them, but they have no idea how drastic things are about to change. These are serious words that Jesus is speaking to them. Like he's facing the crucifixion, he's going to die, he's going to rise again, and then he's going to ascend into heaven and leave them. You see, as they've lived with him, as they've done ministry with him and followed him around, they've depended on him for everything. And now they're going to have to adjust to depending on him for everything without him being physically present. Their very lives are dependent on him remaining connected to that vine. And Jesus is talking about here maintaining that relationship. But what that means for them and what that means for us is that it meant living, remembering, believing, loving, and banking everything on his words. More than anything that they could perceive around them in the world. They're having to walk by faith and not by sight in, in ways they, they couldn't even imagine before, in ways that look completely strange to the world. You see, for you and I, what I want you to really understand is this, and if you don't get anything out of this message today but this, here's what I want you to know, and it's this. It's that Jesus is not an add-on to a full and balanced life. Jesus is life. He is life. And y'all, the Bible is full of example upon example of individuals depending on God. But let me tell you, no example is more powerful than Jesus Christ himself. That God's one and only son, he shows us how he lived in this unceasing absolute dependence on God. These are all Jesus' words, and Scripture is full of these examples. John 5, 19, the Son can do nothing by himself. John 5, 30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will. John 7, 28, I am not here on my own. John 8, 28, I do nothing on my own. Jesus' life was an absolute dependence upon God the Father. And you and I are called to the same daily, unceasing, absolute dependence. Dependence means we're connected to God. That we nurture and cherish the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father and we grow it day by day, spending time with Him. 
Dependence means we rely on God, not just when it's convenient for us, not when we've exhausted all that we can do, but for the big things and for the little things. On the mountaintops and in the valleys, when life's going great and when life's going not so great. Dependence means we stay by God. Even when it's hard, even when we don't feel it, even in the mundane, in the day-to-day, we stay by God. Because you and I were made to be in relationship with him, to depend on him, to be connected to him. Just like the branch needs the vine, just like the sheep needs the shepherd, just like the child needs their father. Would y'all pray with me? God, I thank you so much for today and everyone in this room right now, Father. I pray today you would give each and every one of us a keen, deep awareness of our complete dependence on you. That, God, we would learn to depend on you not in just the big things and what life throws at us, God, but day by day we would depend on you. God, today, help us go away from this place, continuing to deepen our relationship with you. God, help us realize that we were created to be connected to you. That we ourselves cannot be a source of life for others if we are not connected to a source of life. God, draw us near to you and draw near to us today, Lord. As we continue to worship, God, help us Thank you for who you are. Help us give you room to move in this room this morning and in our lives. God, we love you. We praise you. It's your heavy name I pray. Amen.